Hello, and welcome to a special live interview on Unsafe Space. My name is Carrie Smith, and I'm here tonight with our friend Mike Harlow, uh, who is our returning champion and still, I think, our most frequent guest. <laughs> if you're not familiar with Mike, hey. hey! What do you mean you think? Yeah, you, I mean, how many times is this now? Eight, eight. No one is coming for my record. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I was even, I lost track. So but I haven't been on in so long. I've missed you. I miss you too. You were very busy in the fall. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. So I, for anyone who's not familiar, because we may have some new viewers since you were last on, uh, Mike is a writer, a speaker. He's also a shit starter. <laughs> or has not intentionally. Not intentionally. No, you kind of get into these things by by virtue of the stuff that you talk about and not conforming. <laughs> a non-conformist. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, welcome back. Thank you. I missed you. It's been way too long. Tell Carter. Where the hell is Carter? Tell Carter I'm very upset with him that he didn't come to see me. We are trying out live, like a special live thing sometimes where Carter or I don't have to be here. And tonight's the first time we're doing that with, uh, with Beverly doing tech. So give it up for Beverly in the chat. <laughs> Actually, we did this once before, but I had to do tech. And I seriously had to make a list of things like hit this button. Hit that button. <laughs> So I would forget how to how to run the show, but um, but welcome. So you are currently you. when I say when I say shit starter, you tend to get yourself <laughs> into these situations where I think you are being targeted, and we've talked about this before. But you're being targeted for censorship, and anybody who's not familiar with you may not know, but you're one of uh, the people who have been unjustly perma banned from Twitter. You were unjustly perma banned from Twitter before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, before anyone gave a shit. Before anyone cared. And we can go through that a little bit about what happened with you there. Yeah. But tell us right now, are you currently, because you keep getting hit with temporary bans on Facebook. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm i banned from Facebook for a month now for calling myself a hooker, which I'm not, by the way. I should just like let that be known. <laughs> that's the ban, is because you posted a picture of yourself. It's that that the caption said, portrait of a tired hooker. And I saw this picture and there was nothing. Which again, I'm not. I just, it's like, yeah. I just like to dress like one. I feel like my style is sort of like Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman before the classy makeover. <laughs> so I just got to reiterate, I'm not a, actually a hooker. <laughs> but if you were a hooker, I don't think they would ban you. <laughs> no, no. Sex work is real work. What happened to that? <laughs> right. And the picture, there wasn't anything scandalous about the photo. I'm just naturally scandalous. I got, do you know, I got banned from Tinder. No, I literally got banned from Tinder because I uh, I had a picture of myself. So I went to the I was invited to like the Republican convention because I was in this video that they played. Um, so I had a picture of myself at the White House from like July or something, permanently banned from Tinder. See, that's so which funny is probably a blessing in disguise. But when you texted me and said you were banned from Tinder, I said, "Is it because you're in a relationship now?" <laughs> well, I'm not anymore. <laughs> right, but at the time, I was like. Are they just like banning people who are now coupled? <laughs> no, there was literally nothing else on my thing. That's crazy. somebody said. Somebody said to me though, I'm like, I wish I would have thought of this. Somebody had on their uh, told me they had on their Tinder swipe the way you vote. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's really see, funny. you're not a degenerate like the rest of us. You don't get it because you don't use Tinder because like you're. I don't all know which way is which. Coupled up. <laughs> is, is left right is the good one, of course. Oh, okay, got it. So. <laughs> So tell us about on Facebook, 
how many of these temporary bans have you received and what is the nature of the bannings? Cause some of the posts are very old from what yeah, I Yeah, Well, I think it basically started, I think after that whole bullshit on January 6th, they sort of um, reached a new level of censorship and I'm going through people's stuff. So sort of maybe like a week after that. And by the way, they banned all of walk away. They banned the entire group. They basically just took them off of everything. Um, so around that time was when they started just digging through every single old post that I'd ever made going years back. Even like a comment or two that I'd left people, someone I was friends with maybe eight, nine years ago. Um, and there were even things too, like, you know, um, if maybe seven, eight years ago or something, I like when I was mugged and, they, you know, I got banned just for talking about that. So I guess according to Facebook's rules, anyone who's the victim of a crime isn't allowed to talk about it now. Wow. They, I mean, somebody, this is why I say, I think you're, you're being targeted by a specific employee, maybe at some of these companies, or maybe just users who want to get you banned, but because they're digging through, like some of those posts, like you said, are eight or nine years old. Somebody's yeah. going through your post history and trying to find something that they can say is inappropriate. I think it's about building a case to have a reason to take you out because they don't want the they don't want the publicity of just saying we don't like this person's politics. So they try to build a case and you know, that just goes on and on. It's just every single day. And the thing is, I you know, show me one liberal who faces this sort of uh, daily harassment really from social media. Yeah. There just aren't any. I've said to because you know, I have those couple of uh, leftists who just sort of hate follow me and they're always complaining, oh, you did this, you deserved it. I'm like, cool, well, why don't you guys post the exact thing that I did and see if you get banned? Yeah. Do you do you have an idea about or a guess about why it is that you're being targeted? No. <laughs> I wonder that all the time, like, who the hell am I? But no, I mean, I've been banned from Twitter, Facebook, Tinder, everything. See, because so, I, no, I, I kind of always wonder why it is me. I have a guess, and I may why? have told you this offline, but they don't like I, my dick jokes. <laughs> no, they they don't like your uh, your uh, pretty woman fashion from before she switches. No, I think that rude. <laughs> I think that they, I think that there people notice something in you that you have this potential in you to build an audience. And you know how they kind of, they did this first round of unpersonings after the 2016 election and they went through and they unpersoned, I mean, completely banned from numerous um, uh, platforms all at the same time. So they, they took down Milo, they took down um, Gavin McGinnis, uh, Laura Loomer, uh, Alex Jones, anyone that, that was, could be looked at objectively as being influential in, in terms of culture and in terms of swaying people or, you know, in the election. And I think after, after they did that, they, they kind of, they had to unperson these people because they were so successful at building an audience. And, you know, some of these people had audiences in the millions. I think they look at you and they say, you're one of the I have people. an audience in the tens. <laughs> yeah. But see, you have the potential, I think. There's like, you, your ideas are good, but also you have uh, natural charisma and, and you have this authenticity that I think that, that if they were smart, which I think a lot of the, I mean, obviously a lot of the people who work at these companies, even if they're for censorship and they're for things that I don't think yeah. are 
smart ideas. A lot. It doesn't say anything about their IQ. They're high IQ people, some of them. And I think if, if oh, they're <laughs> some of them, and I think they look at you and they're like, okay, this is someone I should cut off at the knees now. I guess so. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I don't know. I feel like if I have potential, first of all, potential usually means like that you're not living up to it, which is <laughs> probably true in my case. But um, I don't know. There are people who have lived up to it. So I don't know. But the thing is, you're right, because, you know, if I look back at every person who was super uh, influential to me during 2016, they're all gone now. So and it seems like that's sort of what happened immediately after the election this year is that they're trying to just unperson every single one of us who was, you know, reaching through to people during the election. And they're going to have a harder time with some of us, with people like Brandon, people like me, like we're not going to just go away quietly. Yeah. So oh, and I should say I am back on Twitter or not. Mike Carlo is back on Twitter. So follow not Mike Carlo. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a new person on Twitter got kids, and his name is not my Carlo. <laughs> Photoshopped version of me, <laughs> right? So speaking of Brandon, I know some of the people watching are, uh, follow you and follow Walk Away. Um, and tell us what happened to your friend Brandon, because I don't know if people are, are up on all the news. Like you said, ap- after the was it right after the election, they banned Walk Away from Facebook. Mm-hmm. And half a million, half a million people group just gone. Did they ban them from Twitter also? Uh, I'm not sure the official account. Well, there um, wasn't. Well, there, it wasn't. The thing is, it was a Facebook group, so it was more central to Facebook. There wasn't really as big of like a an official walk away community on Twitter. Right. So Brandon, last we heard or talked about anyway on our show was, um, I think we talked about. Uh, Brandon is being charged with the January 6th events, which they're calling an insurrection. Um, what's going on with him and how can people find out? How he's doing really well. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot. He's doing really well. Uh, I would love to go off about how ridiculous I think it is and how unjust it is, but I really can't talk about what happened during it. All I can say is that um, he's doing really well. He's really strong. He's hanging in there and he will, you know, he's going to be cleared of this craziness. I'm trying to make sure that I don't say anything that gets yeah, in that's trouble fine. in my big mouth, but you know, he's doing really well. He's hanging in there. He's very strong. And I, I think, and I hope that it'll all be cleared up in the near future. Cool. Um, Maddie. Oh, Maddie! We have a super chat from Maddie. Says, I love him so. He he is like my movie TV show twin. We like all the same <laughs> dorky shit. Do you want to read his chat? Who's say Sorry, I don't have my my glasses. <laughs> I'm getting old. Um, I got a seven day ban on Facebook for calling a Ben Shapiro bot account a bitch. <laughs> well, she probably was a bitch. Uh, that's that that speaks to the uh, the arbitrary is not the right word. Um, the way that, well, it is, they arbitrarily enforce the rules. So something like that is, I would say, if you look at it objectively, it is against the TOS to say that. Um, but they only enforce it against certain accounts. They only enforce, yeah, because their TOS, TOS is always evolving. So they're always evolving to make it broader about what you can and can't say, but then they apply it selectively. They're not going to apply that to a person on the left who's calling you that. No, and the thing is, people on the left all the time do break 
actual terms of service that should be in place when it comes to like stalking or impersonation or violent threats nothing happens yeah. antifa is all over everywhere um i'm interested to ask you what you think though because yeah. I, one thing that really bothers me is i feel like maybe we wouldn't be in this position if it hadn't taken republicans and the even if you don't want to call them the right the non-left to get on board with the fact that something has to be done about this issue and i feel like it has taken them years and years and years to get to a point of feeling of taking any action because for so long they were just repeating the same talking point of the left of oh they're a private company they can do whatever they want um and so it's a little bit frustrating that like remember when republicans had the presidency the house and the senate and did nothing about their their own voters being having their voices uh, systematically crushed so i don't know do you for me like maybe you know both of us aren't conservatives we always say that so maybe mm -hmm. this is like where it shows but I don't know about you. I absolutely think we need laws for it. It's funny. We might actually disagree on this because really Carter's had quite an influence on me. <laughs> and <laughs> See, Carter, you bitch. <laughs> very upset with you. Um, he, he makes a good case for opposing government regulation of speech. And um, however, and I think he, I think he makes a very good case for that of having the government involved in what you can and can't say, even if, even if the goal, even if the intent is an admirable one where they want to protect free speech uh, on these private platforms, even if that's the goal, once you get government involved in it, there is, you know, there, then you're setting up a, a scenario where down the road, you've already given them the reins to a certain degree. So, um, they could decide this is the speech we're protecting. This is speech we're not. And now you have the government enforcing it as well. So I don't know. Yeah. What, I don't know what I think about government regulation. I do know that I believe they should have to, I believe they should have to abide by section 230, which already yeah. exists and they don't abide by that. And for anyone not familiar, I mean, they don't, they're not acting as uh, platforms when they censor based on viewpoint. Um, they're acting as publishers because they're editorializing. It's like you can have these opinions, but not these opinions. And so yeah. they're violating Section 230. And I also think I also think there's a case to be made for fraud because as we've talked yes. about a lot. Yeah, I mean, they advertise when you signed up for Twitter, if you had known that they're that after spending all the time and effort of uh, building a following that they could just yank you off because of your point of view when they marketed themselves as a free speech platform yeah. at the beginning, it's a bait and switch. Cause that's not and what they even are. If you break no terms of service, they still, you know, they, if they want to get you off of there, they will come up with a reason. So we finally got, um, so we our unsafe space. Twitter account was banned perma banned on um, January 11th. We finally got this past week, a communication from them. It's taken this two months to get a communication. What did they say? From them. They said we were banned for uh, of trying to evade a ban, which. That's that what they said to me. That was my first one. <laughs> that, I'm telling you, that is their like in-company code of we want you gone, but we don't have a reason to. It doesn't make any sense because we didn't, we were never banned. Nope, so it's neither like, was I. How are we trying to evade a ban? It's not like, it's not like you banned us and we came back again under and we were kind of joking is is following the tos technically trying to evade a ban by following the rules are you you're trying to evade a ban you're not saying anything we can ban you for 
mark my words, the next one they'll tell you is that you had multiple accounts, even though you didn't. <laughs> that was that's the what, next one they told that's me. That's what they said to you. Yeah. I, uh, I bought them and I actually beat them and got uh, my permanent ban uh, for Twitter undone twice. And then they permanently banned me a third time. And that one I just had no luck with. So I, uh, or not me, started another one. But you guys should do that too. I honestly, it's a, that's what's funny is that this whole time I haven't made another one because I, oddly enough, wanted to follow their rules. Um, at a certain point, screw it. So you guys yeah. should just make another one. Because you're trying to actually follow the rules and not try to evade the ban. It's one. I like talking about this because we have a, we do have some new um, subscribers and new viewers. And I know we have some on the left and I know we have some people who are, I would describe as more classically liberal, but who have maybe been uh, bought into some of the propaganda that comes from legacy media and have bought in, in in part anyway to this idea that there's no cancel culture and there's no censorship uh -huh. and there's no problem. And so I think it helps for people to hear from just average users who have, who've received these permanent bans for no reason. It's like, no, it is happening. And what if it happened to your friend? Like, what if it happened to you? I don't think they ever think that far. Well, and especially when we've all just been, locked down inside for the last year of our lives to then have them remove our voices online. It sort of already is in an indirect way, the government getting involved in speech. That's what I think is that, I don't know, when people talk about private companies, I feel like we are living under such corporatism that th at yeah. this point, there really is no distinguishing the government from these big corporations. I well, mean, they work in tandem. They do work in tandem. And there's a lot of uh, cross-employment where you will see like a large part of Clinton's staff, you know, went to work at Google or mm -hmm. you will see like the head of, of such and such at Facebook was, is now working for Biden. Like they go back and forth. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah. It's it, yeah. There's a lot of cross pollinization. I, th I think it's just been frustrating for me to see the past year, how there, it feels like there really is just no opposition to these people. Like yeah. it, it's just taken so long for the opposition to do anything meaningful. They did nothing. They said nothing when all the people you mentioned were banned. Milo, Alex Jones, all of them. And, and you know, we were told, oh, it's just Alex Jones. It's just Milo. And then we watched as that line has moved to the center to the point where they're more powerful than the actual president of the United States. Yeah, that I think is a, a watershed moment because... Um, well, it should have been, but it should have been. But when we have this ban, again. yeah, it's like there are people you know on. There are people oh, who still. Well, there are people who continue to mishear what you're saying when you point out that the most powerful people or the most powerful institutions in this country, um, they're more powerful than the president of the United States. And it doesn't matter who that president is; it could be any president. If Biden wasn't isn't saying what they want, they could also take him off of Twitter. The point is yeah. that you've, we have a system now where um, I think people put so much faith in government and so much faith in politics uh, to the exclusion of seeing like who really holds the power culturally and institutionally in this country, you know? Yeah. It's, you know what it sort of reminds me of? Has anybody else ever watched Survivor? Like, the, do you guys remember the <laughs> first season of Survivor? And this is my analogy. Um, okay. So, like, the first season of Survivor, nobody knew what the hell it was. There were four people who were in an alliance together and were voting together. And it was in a group of, like, 12, 13 people. So all the other people had to do was just vote together and they could beat them. 
but they kept sitting around watching after person after person got voted off. Hmm, do they have an alliance? Are they voting together? Gee, if one more person gets voted off, we'll know. And the next person gets voted off. Hmm, if another person goes, we'll know they're working together. Next person gets voted off. Hmm, if it happens again, we'll know that they're voting together. That is literally what the right is doing with person after person after person down to the damn president getting banned. Hmm, if one more person gets banned, we'll know there's something we got to do here. And it's something, something you moron. <laughs> yeah. It's something never, fishy. Never, Telling me about how in Nevada, did you see this? The uh, the and I think that's the state where they had the real nut job Democratic Socialists, the one who were the remember that video? No, which where one? Like, do not use gendered language. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A, they just took over the whole Democratic Party in Nevada. Oh. They the leadership now. And so somebody was telling me, great in Nevada, all the Republican Party has to do is just sit around and watch for a few years. And I was like, yeah, uh, however, never uh, underestimate the ability of the Republican Party to just totally fuck everything up and snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So you are probably more uh, in the political world than I am. And are you more aware of, of things that are happening in the Republican Party? And I know as part of Walk Away, like you um, went to some events that were political in nature and um, how do you not define- that event? <laughs> oh, not that event. No, <laughs> no. I was uh, at home in New York. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, but you went to like the picture that was on Tinder. Wasn't that at the Republican National Convention? Yeah. So uh, do you do you align yourself with a political party now? Are you because I know you used to be Democrat. Are you still independent? Are you Republican? How do you see yourself? Uh, I'm like an independent Republican. I, uh, the Republican party is bullshit. It is the second worst party. They are so awful, but we're stuck with them. Like, so I think, you know, it already, even having another major party that isn't the Democrats, it already feels like we're in a one party state. It already feels like there's no opposition. So the only thing, what we have to do is just rally behind Republicans and make them suck as little as possible which is very much an uphill battle but they're just so horrible they're so horrible they are they are useless I, and i've been saying this for so long is that the republican party in new york where i live is a, a metaphor for the republican party nationally they do nothing they do useless they're useless they just do nothing like they bitch so much about aoc but i mean i remember when she was first running, because I live right by her, her district starts a block away from me. Um, uh, before anyone knew who she was, I would see her all the time knocking on doors, handing out flyers. You know, she's insane, but I feel like I can't really criticize her when at least she's doing that. At least she's putting in the work and trying to win elections. I wish that my party would do a tenth of that, but they do nothing. And the thing is, I feel like especially the past year, you know, New York is in the toilet. I feel like it's never going to come back. I just want to get the hell out of here. But this would have been such an opportunity for the Republican Party in New York to red pill people and change minds and open their eyes to what's going on around them, people whose businesses have been destroyed. But they don't do that. They just do nothing. And if, if and they always they always just go, oh, well, we won't win in New York. Nothing we can do. When You know, just in my lifetime, we've had Republican mayors, governors, senators, congressmen. But you know, that was before well, they just gave and up even in this, the whole city. Right. Even in this election, uh, which I'm one of those people who 
I don't trust the results. I've said that. It's just hell a, no. It's just a gut feeling, and I don't. I don't. But I also don't care enough to dig into it and see it, because to me, it's just a lot of politics is theater, and I think distracts us from a more important war, which is a culture war. But uh, but I don't trust the results. However, even if you look at these results, Trump did better in New York than he did in 2016. So. Yeah. It seems that, like there's with no help from no help from the party. So it seems like you're saying there's this untapped demographic of unsatisfied people that no one yeah. is talking to. Well, because think about it like we you and I used to be hardcore liberal Democrats mm -hmm. and we changed because we brought ourselves to that place. We did the research. I feel like it should be their job to lead the horses to water. Uh, it, but they don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's been the... so frustrating. And I think there's like, uh, I don't know. I really see a lot of shit happening where I feel like, uh, of course I agree with you. I don't trust the results at all. I think that, you know, the, the election integrity and censorship are, should be the main two things Republicans are focusing on. However, I'm also worried that they're not going to focus on the other things. Like I feel like even given all that, we can still look at what we did wrong and people get upset with me for saying this, but I'm sorry, Trump ran a terrible, 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 terrible campaign. There's so many things that could have been done differently. I just feel like there was no message. There was no strategy. There was nothing that first debate God. Um, because I think in 2016, whether you love Trump or you hated Trump, any person in this country could have been woken up in the middle of the night and recited six or seven points of his platform. Mm -hmm. What did he run on this time? Yeah. Yeah. The, I not also being Joe Biden. I felt like, yeah, that first debate was not a win <laughs> for either, no. but I think he definitely missed a couple of uh, easy, easy questions there. Um, he, I think the problem with him and I love him. I wish to God that he would have won, but I think the biggest flaw with him and the biggest problem is that he is just surrounded by the worst people. He gets the worst advice. He, whoever the hell was advising him in this election ought to be, I don't want to get thrown off YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Be, you know what? I, I think he got <laughs> Throw a toaster in the tub. This is just my gut again, but uh, based on the little I know about Steve Bannon and his intellect and also his uh, the way he has a strategic mind. I think he did well the first time because of people like Steve Bannon, but also and Kellyanne Conway. Also. Yeah. And also the credit, the people culturally, like we talked about who were unpersoned the second go around. <laughs> yeah. You know, so speaking of, culture, well, that's another thing too so, is, oh, I'm sorry. I was just, that's another thing too, is that over the past like five years or so, there's been this groundswell of cultural figures changing so many minds, people like you, people like so many of my friends. And there was no support from the party. There was no being helped or any or nothing. So they could have, they could have done so much more. It's, it's frustrating. Oh, let me read this quickly. Cause we got another super chat from OMG puppies. Thank you. OMG puppies is a great name. Uh, it says democratic. Glad mine is being quiet. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> uh, it says Democratic Party goal. One party rule by any means. 
Republican Party goal. If we can get the House, we'll lower taxes by 2%. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. God, I never want to hear, not that they are, don't matter, whatever. I never want to hear the word tax cuts again. Yeah. Can you, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the culture war. And they were, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, sorry, let's say, I was just going to say, and they are running, like, they are running on the same damn shit that they've been running on since I was a kid. Like when it comes to socialism, they, they're like the boy that cried wolf because they've been screaming about it for so many years. And I feel like it's not even really accurate. I feel like, uh, you know, it's almost worse what we're going to have if that's possible, where it's this sort of meld of corporate oligarchy and radical leftism in culture. Yes. And the culture is how they bring about and manipulate people to get this communistic sort of corporate oligarchy. Do you think that they kind of... Like sometimes I believe that you um, can manifest things by what you focus on sort of, this is part of, this has been part of my fear that I don't talk about. I don't talk about this fear a lot, but sometimes I've grappled with a fear of not wanting to talk about my old ideology because then I'm like giving it power in a way or, um, and, 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 and more often than not, I err on the side of, no, this is becoming a real problem. You know, like two years yeah. ago, we were like canaries in a coal mine. There were a lot of canaries in the coal mine who are like, this is going to leave the universities. This is going to become mainstream. And it did. It became mainstream this past June. Um, but do you think there's something to the Republicans? Because I remember being a, a young person, hearing them talking about like social, le the leftists is just for socialism. And so, do you think in a way they've kind of pushed this by focusing on that? Like that it's, it's manifested because of the, uh, this is maybe a weird question, but sometimes I think about things in, in that way of like, is calling the left a bunch of socialists and, who want communism sort of, pushing the path that we're going on or, or not? I, maybe, I just, I think they're really out of touch. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think so many of them too, don't want to talk about corporate greed and don't want to talk about corporatism. So it's easier to just keep saying socialism. Yeah. Because so how I, many Republicans are bought and owned? Yeah, I think so. Where I'm at now, uh, when it comes to thinking about politics is, I think so much of, of both parties are the same. I mean, I just think it's like the political elite and it's very rare that you get someone who is, uh, who's going to go against the grain. It's very rare that you get someone like a Lincoln, for example, who, uh, uh, my boyfriend is reading this biography of Lincoln right now and was talking about it this morning and just how at the time his positions were so against the grain, you know, he was on the floor of Congress calling out the president, which was unheard of at the time. He was opposing slavery. He was vocally taking the unpopular opinion. And I just, I don't, I don't see that in a lot of politicians today. I think so much of what they do is based on money and power and uh, perception and, and, um, yeah, I mean, power being the ultimate one. I don't think there's a lot of people going into politics because they're like genuinely want to serve. I think they want to no. rule. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think that um, they are very similar in so many ways, but I do still feel like one is considerably worse. Right. But like, look, for example, about how um, 
Texas and whatever the other state was, they opened up now and people are praising them and so happy. It's been a year. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm glad they opened, but it's been a year. Thank you. That's, that's <laughs> like, I don't think they deserve that much credit after a year. Allowing, And that's another thing too, is look how freaking quickly it happened that people like us were saying, you know, just a few years ago, in a in span of a couple of years, it has gone from us fighting against like, oh, political correctness and comedians not being able to perform at colleges to now the government telling you when you can leave your house, where you can go, yeah. cover your face, you can't work, you can't have your business. And unfortunately, a lot of people like us, many of us saw the direct line that can be drawn from one to the other. Yeah, because it's a it's an absolute faith in and trust in the government as it almost yeah. as God. Like the I thank you for saying that because a lot of people were asking me, you know, aren't you so happy? Aren't you so excited that Texas is open now? I'm like, I mean, yeah, I'm happy, but it never we never should have been locked down. It was a yeah. year, a year, and they told they lied to us, which, you know, I, after a certain amount of time, I would have expected people, especially in Texas to rise up. I would have expected there to be more business owners like the salon owner who said, I'm not complying, even if it means I go to jail, you know? Yeah. Um, and we rolled over as a, I mean, I, I don't mean we as in individually you or me or anyone watching. I just mean as a people, as a nation, we rolled over and now, yeah, now we're in this place where we're like supposed to applaud and be happy that we're given back. We're they're giving us back our rights that they took away. Like, Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you for giving me back my rights. Thank you. Like, I, I know. I um, I almost wonder if I wonder what you think about this. I almost wonder if I don't know. I think when it comes to COVID and all that, I understand that politically Trump was just in an impossible situation, especially at the beginning of it. But I almost wonder what would have happened if he came out strong, more strongly against the lockups, because I feel like he wouldn't really take a stand with any of it. And the thing is with Trump, he's so genuine that like he has no poker face. I'm kind of the same way that like, it's always written on his face how he feels. So whenever he would be asked about masks or whatever, he'd be like, yeah, I have no problem with that. You know, you know I what? Wonder what would have happened if he would have just come out and said how he really feels when it's written all over his face, because I've always felt like Trump is at his absolute worst when he tries to be political. If he had just said, if he doesn't believe in them. See, here, here's what I think. There's a lot of data and evidence and science to back that up. Well, I've, yeah, I've read the mask efficacy studies. Uh, most of the people who push mask mandates have not read them. And no. they want to talk about how effective they are. I'm like, you haven't actually read any of the studies, have you? I, um, you but, know what's really but, interesting? Oh, I'm sorry. But let me just answer to that question. What would happen? Imagine this world. This is what, if Trump had come out and been an authoritarian dictator kind of president, like they said he was, and if he had said, we're going to have national lockdowns and we're going to have a national mass mandate and you can't go to work and it's the federal government, it's me, Trump, telling you that we're doing these lockdowns everywhere. You know what the left would have done? They would have pivoted and done the opposite and they would have rightly called him an authoritarian who was trying yeah. to destroy people's lives and destroy people's businesses. And they would have been the ones opposed. And then in the news, they would have, because they always have to make it tribal, right? They have to make it, well, the right's over here, the left's over here. They would have said, well, Trump's taking that position. Okay, we're on this other side. And they would have been opposing yeah. the lockdowns. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm, so, I'm so sick of it. Somebody had... Um, 
somebody said some commented on one of my things recently um something that was so i hadn't thought of it like this but these masks i just have such a deep visceral reaction against that i'm i'm allergic to them i swear um and i've and other than the symbol that they stand for the communism that they represent i've sort of wondered why i have such a visceral reaction to them and this woman commented on uh i think it was my instagram and she said you know um, I'm a survivor of domestic violence, and these masks remind me of when my husband would beat me up and put his hand over my mouth. And that just sort of, I had never thought of that, that like, for a lot of people, that really is what it feels like, having a hand over your mouth and being silenced and feeling repressed, and they're never going to go away. Yeah, that's a, there's a ritualistic function to the masks as well. This is something I've heard my preacher talk about is, and we're not supposed to criticize or even ask questions about like, what is the mask doing to all of us psychologically and, and being forced to wear? And especially what is the, what is it doing to little kids? And, you know, I did a, a interview on with the trigonometry guys and. Uh, oh, I love them. I'm it so was, jealous. I love them too. You they go were on the fun. coolest show. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, I really like those guys. I think they're really funny and sincere. And I think their show is only going to grow in popularity now. I mean, they've got like a winning. Uh, the, anyway, their goal, their purpose is in the right place. I really like that show. But so I was on their show and I was, you know, I was talking about my old ideology. That's what I was being interviewed about. But at the end, they, they have a question they ask everyone about like, okay, they bring it on you at the end. Like, what's something we should be talking about that nobody's talking about? And so I answered, honestly, uh, I think we should be talking about, and we're not allowed to talk about, what is the adverse impact of forcing masks on people for a year plus, and especially what's the impact on children. And that was the most controversial thing. If you look at the response to that video, um, of course, there were people upset of criticizing social justice ideology, but the most controversial thing I said was the mask thing. People got really up. Some people got really up in arms about it. They don't want you to even ask the question of what. No, and I don't understand. There's so many things that make no sense that I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand how they're okay with this going on forever. It's like, at what point is enough enough for you people? Another year, two years, three years, five years, forever. And it would be fine with them. I don't understand. And I also don't understand, I mean, it is it is virtually impossible for children to get COVID. Not impossible, but very, very rare. So why do they have to wear masks? I think that I think that they would be, well, to answer your question about how long will they let it go on, it is ritualistic. And if you think about it like a religious garment, because they're showing you what they believe by wearing it. Yep. This is what I believe. I'm a good person. I put this on because I'm of the right belief system. And you are not. If you don't wear this, you're not a good person. And so what it would take is for the high priests of their faith to say, now you can take it off. Yep. If, the, if the Texas governor, because they're all these in Austin, where a bunch of the Wokies live, they are pissed. The Wokies. <laughs> Yeah, but they're pissed. And a lot of the woke small businesses um, are, are and larger businesses, larger chains are now posting these virtue signaling things on Instagram and everything saying, you know, we're going to continue to require the mask. And it's like, OK, that's your choice. Again, you can do whatever you want with your business. But you're saying this in this sort of religious way of 
if if the if the governor had not been Abbott, if it had been a Democratic governor who said it's time to take it off, or if Joe Biden said it's time to take it off, you guys would be posting the exact opposite kind of pictures. You would be like, "Yay, COVID's over!" Da da da. Yeah. Like it just it it's it. They need it's like a religion. They have to have the high priest tell them it's okay. And people who are against this really need to start getting a lot bolder. You know, I think talk about free market solutions. Let's do it. You know, I think we really need to all consciously make the effort to start phasing these friggin masks out of our lives. And it has to be free market solutions. There should be a cost for businesses and for people that want to enforce this on people. If they're if like, for example, me, there are two grocery stores near me. One of them, the woman screamed in my face and stalked me around the store because I didn't have a mask on for two seconds. I won't shop there anymore. The other grocery store, they don't care if I don't wear a mask. So I feel like we all just go with it because we don't want to be hassled. And that's why we lose. That is why we lose because the left has no problem with putting themselves in, in uncomfortable situations. And we all need to be willing to do that more. Like yeah, nobody wants to make a fuss and now look at what we're dealing with. So if millions of people were to make a stink about masks and there would be a cost where people would lose money for acting like COVID Karens and demanding masks from people, it, it, it would make progress with getting rid of them, you know? But no one wants to do that. And I mean, think about also all of the people, all of the people, in the, especially women in the Middle East, who were beaten and attacked and gave their lives for bodily autonomy to make the choice for themselves of what what garments they will or will not cover their face with. Yeah. I think you can get into a little bit of an argument, stand up to the cashier at the grocery store. Yeah, I think that- like That's um, the thing, if you yeah. think about what other people have had to do to yeah. maintain their freedoms, and we're not willing to do anything and it doesn't mean um, causing a huge scene or get, in fact, I think it, it's not helpful to get angry and lose your cool, but it is helpful to make them think and to make them uncomfortable, even if it makes you uncomfortable. And so, you know, this concept of culture jamming, I think that. No, some, I haven't heard that. Well, some people have been uh, forcing these uncomfortable moments where people have to whether they're conscious of it or not, think about the mask and what it means by wearing over the top masks, like those plague doctor masks, <laughs> you know, like, uh -huh. or, you know, I have one that's like a hood that looks like I'm going to an execution. My whole head is covered, not just my mouth. And that makes people really uncomfortable. Um, the, but the other thing is you can, with a smile, like, okay, I want to hear about what it's like in New York. Cause I'll tell you what it's like in Texas. In Austin, it's probably a lot like New York, but up north where I'm at, like just half an hour north, it it depends on the business. Some are woker than others, um, but mo for the most part, I don't wear it. And when people ask me at the big box stores, when I go in, they were like, would you like a mask? I just smile and say, oh, no, thank you. I don't wear them. And I just keep going. And they never stop. They've never stopped me all year at the big stores. Good. Um, but it's, you like, can we, do, it's like how we used yeah. to have smoking and non-smoking sections. Let's at yeah. least enforce like a no mask stores or no mask sections. Yeah, no mask section. So I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry I didn't cut you off. Oh no, that's fine. I want to ask you about New York, but let me tell you this one idea I have, and you can tell me what you think of it because this gets to your your point about bodily autonomy. A lot of the people who are 
falling in with this authoritarian, you must wear a mask everywhere. And it's my right to tell you what to do with your body. A lot of those people are also pro-choice. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Which is amazing because they don't believe they have a right to tell you what to do with your body. If what you're doing is ending a life that's inside of you, um, they don't have a problem with that. You can end that life. You can kill that fetus, that baby in the womb. And that's okay because they don't think they have a right to tell you not to yet. They think they have a right to tell you, you have to wear a mask because you might have a sickness they don't know about. And, and you might get them sick because they chose to be outside in the same place you're at. They chose to be there. So what I was thinking of doing is what if we start doing petitions outside of businesses that require masks and just have, um, when people are come up, we like leftists do petitions all the time. What if we had someone standing outside of, of a place and, and when people come up, you just ask them like, Hey, are you guys pro-choice? And if they say yes, you're like, Oh great. Do you have a minute? So we're just uh, doing a petition against, against the mask mandate here. <laughs> like, I love it. Just assume, assume that they're intellectually consistent. <laughs> Which oh, they're probably it. not. And they would say, Oh, if you don't wear a mask, you're putting it's totally different because if you don't wear a mask, you're putting another life at risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you have an abortion, you are it it the definition of abortion is you are terminating a life. <laughs> but they're okay. And I and it's not just standing up to people um who work at businesses or whatever, it's just as much standing up to these COVID Karens around you, which yeah. I get all the time on the subway, by the way. And that's what's funny too. I don't know about you, but at least in New York, I always see these leftists on social media talking about, oh, these horrible people who won't wear masks and people won't wear masks. It's literally just us. Like I go out on the train, on the sidewalk in stores. It's I am constantly the only person not yeah. wearing one. So I was, though, um, I was, let me just I was, I'm sorry. Let me read this real quick. And then I want to talk to you about New York. Uh, Maddie H. Thank you, Maddie says, Australia has been hell with lockdowns. Queensland was shut down over one case. Victoria is a complete police state. The police are arresting people, literally going into people's homes for organizing protests. Jesus. Yeah. See, that's, that's where we're at is, and, and yep. people can't see that it's a police state because it's, I saw a great meme the other day, Mikey. Oh gosh. Uh, Lisa, Lisa J creates on Instagram. She shares a lot of great memes, but she had one and it was a, a guy reading a book about um, the Holocaust. And he was going, how could things, how could humans ever let things get this bad? And while he was reading it, he had a face shield on and a mask and like a little vaccine ID on his shirt. And it's like, how could you ever let it get this bad? Meanwhile, you're putting on all the rituals and yep. you're going along with everything. Uh, anyway, so tell me about tell me about what it's like in New York, because I imagine and I hear I've heard from you and other people. It's really different there than Texas. It's miserable. It's like, I mean, it's a ghost town. Everyone wears. But that's another thing is that mass compliance nationally is like at like 80, 90%. So it's crazy. And that's the thing, if, if this is really so divided and the right are people who are generally against masks, it shouldn't be at 80, 90%. These things should be more contentious. And that's what I mean when I say they have no opposition. Um, it's horrible to everyone. I mean, if you walk down the sidewalk without a mask on, you can't take two steps before some, you have someone screaming in your face. Outside. 
outside on the subway too like is particularly crazy because um i don't know i get really bad motion sickness on in like cars and stuff like that so like i'm not wearing it on the train i'm i can't i won't i'm not doing it and so there's always and everyone has masks on which is funny too because the subway i got on the subway the other day from times square and it's like it always is people standing like this you know and then they're yelling at me i mean it's they're packed in but oh you can't you know have dinner with your grandparents it's insane but they this on. Sense. yeah it's so ridiculous um so uh i'm sitting on the train the other day though and uh this girl is sitting in front of me and is just like staring me down. I could see, I can, I can hear her thoughts. I can see she's like thinking of what to say. Um, and she said, she was like, excuse me, um, you need to have a mask on. That's really not okay. So I just like looked up. I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> and she was like, um, the rules of the MTA say that you need to have a mask on. So I looked up, I was like, oh, do you work for the MTA? She goes, no. So I was like, then shut up. <laughs> she did. And she did. And that is how you deal with a COVID Karen. <laughs> but people just don't want to make a fuss, don't want to rock the boat. And, you know, like, I've, I've done that myself a lot of times. I mean, we have lives. We have places to go. We don't, we don't want to be fighting with people 24-7. Yeah, so, I've, I've, for the most part, like... Uh, I would put it on for certain places. Like we all make that decision on what, what you're willing to push back on. And, you know, I would put it on to go into my favorite coffee shop just because I wanted to go get coffee there. But now that, now that um, the, in Texas we're open and they can choose their policy, this coffee shop is now choosing to continue their mass mandate. So I will not be going there anymore. And uh, I went in and I did ask the two girls behind the counter because they said I needed a mask. And I was like, oh, but we're open now. And they're like, well, it's a private company. And we I was like, yeah, but aren't you guys liberals? Like, aren't you pro-choice? I'm pro-choice. Like, are you, I'm a liberal. Like, don't you believe in bodily autonomy? <laughs> like, so I made a point of going there and saying something and I'm going to uh, uh, write the owner and just let him know. Because that that's the other thing is you have to let the businesses know and you don't have to be over the top or angry. You can just let them know. I won't be coming back to your establishment because you don't respect a person's right to choose whether they wear the mask or not. So, you know, you used to be my favorite coffee shop, but unfortunately, like I'm going to support someone who's not authoritarian and, and they cater. They, all they hear from are the COVID Karens because yeah. people like us are not writing them. We're like, Oh, it's a lost cause. They've made their decision. Well, if they hear from enough, and that's why us, the left wins. If they hear from enough of us, they may change their opinion. And I will say this too. This is pretty cool. In my little town, the biggest uh, contingent of people pushing back against masks, against the mask mandates, and against just the psychology like of what the masks are doing to kids are progressives. It's a lot of people wow. on the left who are uh, like the hippie, granola, crunchy kind of people that go to natural grocers. The natural grocers here, nobody wears a mask. It's all like true wow. progressives. <laughs> wow. Here, yeah. no, here, those are the ones that'll jump down your throat. Yeah. And I and the thing is too, you know, um, over the summer and fall, I was touring with Walkaway, giving speeches. I I was in, I think, like 21 cities or something like that. I probably was on 40 to 50 planes in crowds of up to half a million people, hugging everyone. And for a while I thought it must have been luck that I didn't get COVID. I feel very differently now. I feel like maybe I'm the one who's doing something right because every person I know who has gotten it are people who obsessively wear masks, stay away from people, stay inside. In New York, for example, they shut down dining and stuff 
but less than 1% of cases were contracted from uh, things like indoor dining, whereas most of them were from in your home. Well, we are so maybe I'm doing our... something right by being around people. And the thing is, too, when this first started, I swear to God, people can go look back on my post and see when this shit started. I was as fearful of this shit as anyone else. I did everything we were told to do. I stayed inside. I didn't see my parents for two, three months. I remember when I did it was through a door. Yeah, that ended for me the day that we were told Black Lives Matter can gather by the hundreds of thousands in close quarters and riot and assemble, but you can't yeah. work. You can't, you have to stay inside. That was the day I realized, oh, we're being lied to. Yeah. When they had the, remember they did on the news, they were like, medical experts say that it's in the public health interest for Black Lives Matter protests to happen. And that, and the thing is, yeah. you can draw a direct line from children uh, being medically transitioning genders to that. Because, you know, a lot of people like us have been talking about for years the corruption of ideology and medicine. And now we see where that has gotten. Yeah. And so, it's only going to get worse. Now they're talking about vaccine passports. It is going to get oh, yeah. a lot worse. So what it, do you see I, happening yeah. with New York? Because, um, you know, I saw I saw this really heartbreaking um, post by uh, Libby Emmons. You know her, the, the journalist. I love her. And she was talking about how New York is a city where people do a lot of their living outside because the apartments are so small and so much of your public life, your socializing life doesn't happen at home in like a big house where you have friends over all the time. A lot of your public, your life, your socializing life happens outside at theaters, at restaurants, at, you know, shows. And, and, you know, you're, you're, you live a lot of your life outside of your apartment and just the impact on people's, depression that this has had by living, staying inside and isolated. I think it's probably very different in New York than in other places. Like, where do you see, I know a lot of people are moving out of New York. Um, like what's happening? Are they? I feel like that's a bit of a myth. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe they are, but you know, uh, because I'm, uh, my apartment is falling apart. So I'm apartment hunting right now. I'm trying to move. Um, and all I've heard is about how people are leaving New York and rents are so cheap. They're as expensive as they've ever been. So I don't know how true that is. Um, but yeah, it's horrible. There is, uh, you know, I, a couple months ago during the winter, I was dating someone and it was very difficult to have nowhere to go, nothing to do. Uh, I mean, you can like, what, go for a walk, stay inside, watch a movie. There's literally nothing else to do. You can't go anywhere. Uh, and they had indoor dining shut too. So it's like 10 degrees outside. And the only thing you can do is either order food or go sit outside at a restaurant in the freezing cold. Um, so I, yeah, saw, I, I, I saw a picture of you and you were in, now this made me laugh almost because you, you were having dinner at a restaurant in an outdoor shelter that was constructed so that you would technically be eating outside, but they just like built, a structure so you're sort of inside <laughs> outdoor indoor dining it's crazy that's they're all over like little glass houses and stuff perfect metaphor <laughs> but i i really and like it just goes back to what i said before is that most people regardless of democrat republican left right most people in new york hate de blasio and now most people are seeing the truth about cuomo so it just drives me crazy that where is the republican party in new york 
capitalizing on this. Yeah. Uh, Tax Tara, thank you, Tax Tara. She says, I think that masks spread COVID because people keep touching their faces. When I don't wear a mask, I don't touch my face. Yep. I actually, I'll tell you this. I um, I went on a park date with a liberal a couple months ago. <laughs> and oh God, he was like arguing with me. But then he wanted to have hate sex with me, I think, which didn't end up happening. But I think he, I think some of these people have, he was like, I want you to wear a MAGA hat during, I'm like, I'm telling you, I think some of these guys have like a complex, I'm whispering because it just has to stay between us, <laughs> our secret. I think some of these guys have like a complex, like some of these liberal guys, like they oh, want you to wear okay. a Trump hat and bang them. Like, this is, but this, any, but I had a point with that, no, I swear. No, this but, happens with women too. I know a lot of SJW feminist women who secretly are attracted to conservative men and will share that with you at privately and, and sort of view it as a thing that they wish they could get rid of. <laughs> like trying to change who they're attracted to. This guy though, he was arguing with me and arguing with me and arguing with me about masks. And now you have to wear masks. And then when he's leaving, he like called an Uber, we're standing on a corner. We're just arguing about masks like 30 seconds ago. I watched him drop his mask on the ground. The wind blow it away into the dirt by the trees that dogs piss on. He went and grabbed it, picked it up, and put it back on his face. And the unhealthy one. <laughs> uh, one, way God, culture, and, um, one way you can culture jam is to show how unhealthy it might be to wear these dirty masks around that people, because people don't put on new ones. They wear the same ones. Um, you can take your mask off. Here's a suggestion. Take your mask off if you have to sneeze, sneeze into it and then put it <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> like, No, but I've totally seen people do stuff like that. You know what's interesting too, is like, that's the thing to like, I don't know if I'm ever in a store or something, if somebody's, it would at least just be nice about it. I'd be like, fine, whatever, maybe. But they're so nasty and they're so militant. I had this thing uh, a little while ago in the grocery store. This woman was like chasing me around and starts screaming at me. She's like, you're diseased. You're diseased. I could be, you could be sick. Or you could have gotten me sick. You're diseased. And, you know, not to be all like identity politics, but the, just the image of having this woman screaming at a gay man, you're diseased. It just sort of shows how like the, the way that you treat people who don't even have COVID is just so differently than the way you would be able to treat any other illness. I mean, can you imagine someone screaming at an AIDS patient, you're diseased or yeah. a cancer patient or it's crazy. It's like the kind of person who in the past you would see standing on a street corner screaming about demons and about how you're diseased and you're, and now Ooh. they're just like everywhere. And it's part yeah. of mainstream culture is that you're in a grocery store and someone's like, and you're like, wow, like 20 years ago, you, I wouldn't see you except you, mm. you being on the street corner screaming about disease with a sign maybe and ringing you a bell. <laughs> you know, what's funny too is that, um, so yeah, I've been back on Twitter for less than a week now and I think it was a mistake, I swear, because there are so many of these things that you would just never know about if you weren't on Twitter, all of these little bickering arguments and shit that people have. And it, I, I just feel like our side focuses on the dumbest shit. Like, we are now two or three weeks into people every minute of the day talking about Dr. Seuss. Not that I don't agree with them, not that that's not important, 
However, another thing on Twitter everyone is arguing about is can LGBT people be Republicans? They're very concerned with okay. that. And it's like, wait a minute. It's so ridiculous. When you told me this was happening, I didn't believe it at first. I was like, why are people, that's not even a question. Why is anyone treating that I've, with any legitimacy? Like, that's so dumb. Well, I think I think part of it is sort of like not to say that there aren't people who hold those views, but it is such a minority of a minority. I mean, I yeah. toured the entire country for four or five months speaking to crowds of conservatives and Republicans. I didn't have one. I did not get so much as one dirty look like it is that view is such a minority of a minority. And I think it's sort of is always amplified by people reacting to it. Twitter people going back and forth, and it sort of almost gives it more legitimacy. Yeah, that's um, like, why would you even deign to respond? And the, and the thing is, too, yeah, and the thing is, too, like, I, my, to go back to what I was originally going to say, is that if you look at what's happening right now, I mean, the Constitution being ripped to shreds, the First Amendment being just chipped away at, our rights being destroyed, entire industries that will never come back, cities ruined, and what, what do people want to talk about? Dr. Seuss, Britney Spears, can gay people be Republicans? I'm like, oh, this is why the left wins. Yeah. On the other hand, I separate out the Dr. Seuss thing from the question of whether gay people can be Republicans, which is just silly to me. But um, oh, it's true. But... but the Dr. Seuss thing. So let me let me ask you this: when we first started, when we first started Unsafe Space. Social justice ideology wasn't mainstream yet. It was growing and it and we could see how it was going to leave the colleges and become mainstream, but that didn't happen until June of last year. Um, and now it's everywhere, it's ubiquitous. And every day it's like, okay, now there's the, like they're targeting Dr. Seuss, they're targeting Grease, the movie Grease, they're targeting Dolly Parton, they're targeting, you know, it, it's just hit after hit after hit. And I think that a lot of people who are opposed to this belief system um, are probably in danger of becoming just burnt out talking about it and pointing it out. And on the one hand, I think it's important to continue to point it out because there's so many people who haven't woken up yet. And there's so many people on the left who are like more like classical liberals who just haven't been able to see it yet, who, who, who are who are waking up every day. I'm still meeting them. People who are just now waking up. And so it's important to talk about it. But on the other hand, it's tiring. It's exhausting. So how yeah. do you strike like this work-life balance of, or um, or even Miserable. how do you not even say work-life balance? Cause it doesn't have to be your work, but I know, I know a lot of people who have, they have jobs that don't relate to criticizing social justice ideology, but they spend some free time doing that. And they friends spend some free time watching shows um, that criticize it and they talk about it with their friends and they, a lot of them are feeling burnt out. So how do you balance your life? Same. I'm feeling, Oh God, if you know, please tell me, cause I'm exhausted. Um, uh, just with what you were saying with that, I totally agree with you on Dr. Seuss thing. Obviously the only thing is, I don't know. It's just, there's something that still bothers me about it for some reason, because I think maybe it's just a, a level of proportionality that, you know, I feel like it's been like two, three weeks now that every minute of every day, Dr. Seuss, Dr. Right. Seuss, Dr. Seuss. And I'm on their side with it. I'm 100% agree. However, I just wish that they would get that upset about the things that really, really deeply matter. Not that that doesn't matter, 
but like, you know, on a scale of one to 10, what is Dr. Seuss? Whereas you have communism rising, you have people being demanded that we cover our faces like this is Saudi Arabia, you have industries destroyed, your government locking people inside. So I just sort of wish that they would get as upset about that as they do these little things, yeah. you know? But, you but no, in terms of uh, being burnt out, like, this is miserable. I like, maybe I, we, oh, I think it's true with both of us that like, we never sought this out. We never like, at least me, I think it's the same with you though, that like, this sort of just happened. I never sought this out. And like, it's no, just, I, I don't know. I think doing a show about my old ideology, like I, I have, my goal is to make, is to help people who are in it. One of my goals is to help people who are in it, see it for what it is and see that, see how it's different from liberalism because I think one of the ways it wins is that it convinces people like me that it is yeah. liberalism and it's progressivism and it's not. And so doing this show is, um, uh, is a blessing because I, because I, I, the best kind of messages I can get are from people who um, have left the social justice left or who have discarded some of the tenets of belief from the social justice left. And uh, I love that. I just get, I just sometimes it's like, okay, we have to have the same conversation again about why, you know, pointing out the same thing over and over. And, and also, even if you're not doing a show, even if you're doing it in real life, I guess, um, like I have a friend who a lot of her posts are, are, she's like, you know, it's watching the level of dystopia rise. Like we're in now, cause now it's mainstream. It's been mainstream for almost a year now. Yep. And you know, these are friends who are experiencing it. They know what it is. They're awake to it. And they're they're experiencing it in their kid's school. They're experiencing it in their workplace. They're experiencing it from their kid's pediatrician who's asking what gender, asking their toddler, what gender do you identify as? You know, like, and, and so, and deciding, well, do I need to get a new doctor? And do I need, and so uh, uh, I've had friends who are like, it's a, a fight or flight thing that I experience every time I have to confront this, would it be better just to withdraw from society and go do like a Henry David Thoreau and live in the woods and just enjoy the rest of my life? Or should I continue trying to talk to people in my life? You know, what would you say to those people? Because I think it's worth it to continue trying to talk, but I do think think you need to take breaks from it so it doesn't consume your every waking moment. You're better than anyone I know. Like I think of anyone I know who does it. You're like the most well-adjusted. Like you, I don't know how you do it. I really don't. I, I'm uh, the opposite. I'm like I don't know. I think especially, I I don't know. It's really hard. I, just I, I don't feel that way a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are like no. It's true. I uh, I don't know. I think especially since the election, I've just felt hopeless because if if. <laughs> And regardless of what you think about it, regardless, there about half the vote, half the electorate has more than half the electorate. Because actually, if you think about it, the two candidates of the last decade who caused the most enthusiasm in people were Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. And supporters of both of them now have valid reasons to feel like they watched both of their candidates get crushed by the establishment. Funny how his how uh, Bernie supporters got over that real quick, but um, some of them did. Tens of millions of people. A lot of the people I know who are waking up now are Bernie voters. 
finally, welcome to the party. <laughs> but um, no, what I'm saying though is that like, uh, at least half the electorate has valid reason to think that our our elections are very questionable. So if you can't vote this ideology out, then what? I don't know. So that's sort of what I've been struggling with. And it, I don't know, it's been really hard. It, it's sort of like, I've sort of felt like I can't pretend anymore that I feel like what I do matters or means anything. Because I don't know, it just feels like I spent a year of my life doing that. And for what? So I don't know. That's why I've been trying to get out of that mentality. And I'm trying to like get back into it and relaunch my YouTube channel. But it's really been a struggle. I think, and you and I haven't uh, talked about the Gina Carano stuff uh, yet. So uh, bear with me on this. Let me see if I can put this into a question. Are you optimistic at all about what happened to Gina Carano with Disney because I am really yeah I don't know too um well so first of all okay I watched that Daily Wire movie the other night have you seen it which one no <laughs> what <laughs> so they had their first movie come out okay run hide fight or something so uh okay. I watched it the other night yeah I you know, I support what they're doing. I want them, I, you know, I want them to take on the system or whatever. However, honestly, do I think it's going to be like Ben Shapiro that changes the culture of entertainment? No, but you know, some of us will keep, will try in other ways, I guess. But no, I mean, I don't know. It just feels like they're so powerful. Like I'm okay. Yeah, fine. I'll, I don't know if I should talk about this. What? Okay, I'm gonna try to like be vague without breaking the stupid contract I signed. So, God, how do I? <laughs> so for past <laughs> year, I've been under contract that I was supposed to be on a TV show. I couldn't oh, take any yeah. long-term job. Don't say what. <laughs> um, it's the Golden Girls, the reboot. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> um, couldn't take any long-term jobs because there have been like four or five different starts and stops. It was supposed to be a year ago, then COVID happened. Um, they specifically brought me on to, because they knew it would be controversial. Um, I just got Gina carano from that. And from what I've heard, they canned every right-leaning person from the cast, not just me. Wow. Um, and they just make up reasons. They, you know, they insinuated that I had something to do with the January 6th stuff or that I was there. I was at home. So. Oh, Mikey, I didn't know that. That sucks. I'm sorry. Well, it's. I think it's. I think it's a good thing. I think it's that because I was already iffy about this. I just don't like having my time wasted for a year. You know that I couldn't take any long term jobs to do the show. But regardless, it just feels like no matter what you do, there will be something. So I don't know. I think my point of this, I guess, is that I think people need to. I don't know. I feel like if these corporations don't give you anything, there's nothing that they can take away from you. So don't try to feel like it'll be different this time. It'll be different with it. It won't be. So I feel like people really need to make their own stuff and own their own stuff. Yeah. Um, I think here's why I feel optimistic about what happened to Gina Carano, because they tried to make an example of her, of here's what we'll do to you. You know, if you don't fall in line and we will unperson you or try to, we'll fire you from your high profile job and um, we'll make an example of you to scare other people from saying what they think. And 
instead of following the the path most traveled or the easiest path, which is to bow down and make an apology and fall in line, she came out fighting. Like immediately she came out fighting. She didn't take a break from social media. She came back and she did a deal with the Daily Wire. Now I haven't seen that movie and I don't, I'm sure it's, it probably they're at the beginning. I don't expect them to to compete with any of the major studios out of the gate, but I like the fact that someone's trying to fill the gap. Yeah, somebody with the money and the yeah. audience and the power is trying to fill the gap. And um, I think they're accepting pitches now for sh- for shows. And I and I know you have one of the funniest scripts I've read Aww. in a long time. <laughs> Thank and you. I'm not saying, actually, yeah, but maybe well, Daily Wire is a place on, to go. But I've been working on um, uh, building my own film production company. We've been working on it forever and are trying to get started this summer with shooting stuff and just starting small. I think it's easy when you're sort of trying to start a business or build something to get ahead of yourself. I feel like you sort of got to do the low budget version first. So that's what we're trying to do. I feel like. I don't know. I feel like um, the I, it, for me, my opinion, I think the thing that could be most effective at changing culture is something that's not necessarily conservative, but it's just anti-left. Oh, I agree. I don't think it needs to be necessarily conservative. And actually, I hope they don't just green light things that have a conservative or a preachy conservative bent. I hope they just I, I hope they're smart yeah. enough to see the gap that they need to fill is just to provide a space where for for uh for entertainment where they where uh content creators where creative people put entertaining people above ideology <laughs> like i just want to yeah. see that again i just want to see stuff that has nothing that's not trying to preach to me like i just want you to make yeah. me laugh i rewatched uh uh coming to america the other night because i want to get ready to watch the new one. Oh, i and... heard the new one is very woke <laughs> no no <laughs> I heard there's a bunch of Me Too preachiness in no. it, and I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But well, the old one is great, and you know, I just want to get back to seeing comedies like that where it's they're not trying to preach to me; they're just trying to make me laugh, and they're just lighthearted and doing a good job of it. You know, uh-huh. um, uh, let's see. Is that Henry? 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 I think that's Henry. Henry. I know him. Oh, this is interesting. Henry may not know this, but I used to represent. He says, hey, guys, check out Margaret Cho's new interview on Young Turks on Jess Rothschild's podcast. Has she always been an SJW? I used to love her. Comedy is dying. Okay, I used to represent her. Um, I was her manager for almost 10 years. I don't know. It was a long time. Um, And uh, maybe you didn't know. My answer on that is probably more personal than just uh, being someone on the outside looking in. Um, yes, she's always leaned SJW, but I think she's, how can I phrase this? There are people who are true believers in social justice. And there are people who like with anything will, will voice what's popular in order to get shows or to, because it's popular or to get invited to the right cocktail parties, as Cardo says, or because it's what's in vogue. And which is true. (laughs) She, she's not a true believer. Really? I actually prefer the true believers because they're at least they're sincere yeah. in their beliefs. And I think um, they're well-intentioned. And if you, I think the true believers, it's funny because Carter and I probably, we disagree on this a little bit, but 
um, I think the true believers are the people that you can reach because, and I, and I think you can get the other people to, you can reach them too. If you change the culture, if you change what's popular, they will follow whatever's popular, but the sincere, the people who hold the sincere beliefs, a lot of them have very good intent and they're following this ideology because they believe that it's the best way to be in the world. And if you can show them that it's not the best way to be in the world, like they will change. And so Anyway, that's See, this is what I mean. You're so much more well-adjusted and optimistic than I am. <laughs> I don't know. Me, I'm at the point where I'm like, go screw yourself. <laughs> oh, trust me. I have my group. I, I have my, one of my biggest struggles is like maintaining empathy for people who believe what I used to believe. I try. I, yeah. I pray about that I all the like time. If at this point <laughs> you can't see what the hell is going on, you know, this whole election, I was asking people who are voting for Biden on the left, how the hell is it that you can claim to be against these things and then vote for a person who was behind every war, who was an architect of mass incarceration, an architect of the war on drugs, uh, an architect of all of these horrible things happening to the middle class in the recession, protecting the big banks? I never got an answer. So uh, to me, uh, you know, at least if they nominated someone like Bernie Sanders or whoever, that would be ideologically consistent. But how you can claim to be for these things and then vote for Biden, as long as I live, I will never understand that. Yeah. Also, Henry, we need to hang out again. Call me. <laughs> so funny. Thank you, Henry. Uh, little Ragamuffin says, just, just hey, by to say, her. I love you both for your guts and perseverance mm -hmm. and fighting for truth and freedom in all caps. Little Ragamuffin is, I call her the William Wallace of the SOAS community. <laughs> I love that. Freedom. Um, go back. You, can you go back to Maddie's? Because I didn't see what it said. I'm blind. Maddie, I, think he had one or two. I don't think I can put that up again, but I can read it. Maddie uh, says that LGBT debate earlier today was nuts. Who the heck was that dollar store version of Laura Ingram? I was scared for Blair. I don't know what he's talking about. Blair, oh, Blair needs a big drink after that. I haven't seen it, but I, I should watch that. Wait, is this the debate about whether or not gay people yes. can be Republicans? That's so dumb. I mean, the gay people are Republicans. With no gay, pe with no gay people. <laughs> on, and with no gay people on the actual panel. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, I think that's you, you, all of You the, all know our thoughts. <laughs> all of the super chats. Um, I saw before, though, Maddie had said um, uh, about Cuomo and stuff. And I thank you. I could not freaking agree more. That it's, you know, I'm sorry, like unpopular opinion here, but like, I don't give a damn if he like tried to kiss some broad 20 years ago. Like that's terrible, great, whatever. Uh, he sent COVID patients to nursing homes and people like us were, we knew this six months ago, a year ago, we were trying to tell you and now people suddenly care. So I don't know. I feel like this, is this, what do you say? Oh yeah, yeah that's he said, said it better than I am. But Sorry, yeah, Beverly's helping us out. She put it on there. She said, "I'm so." Uh, I love Maddie Beverly. said, "I'm so pissed that it looks like Cuomo is going to be defeated by some hashtag Me Too nonsense, and not the fact that he killed over twelve thousand people in old folks' homes." Yeah, and I I almost feel like that's intentional that it came out at the exact same time. I mean, this is what people are focusing on. I mean, of course, it shows that they're hypocrites, also. But I mean, again, it's the it's exactly what I was saying about Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss is the sexual harassment and everything else is the putting uh, COVID patients in nursing homes. You know what I mean? 
That, you're right, actually. Yeah, nobody is. <laughs> it's it's a big distraction. Maybe that's why the the press is now reporting on the Me Too stuff about him. Because I was wondering what changed. That's why what are I they think. reporting on it? Because it's 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 less destructive to the narrative they're selling to nail yep. him on Me Too stuff than it is to nail him on the COVID nursing home stuff. It's um, so frustrating too that like. I'm sorry, not to sound douchey or self-aggrandizing, but it's like, we just keep being proven right about shit. Like, we knew all this was going on a friggin' year ago. And again, welcome to the party. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I've seen, the the press actually has, there was a Newsweek article about this, and I was kind of surprised. The press is, in some cases, not overwhelmingly so, but they are talking about the fact now that um, if you look at a state like Florida, versus a state like California, which was lockdown happy, you can't really argue that the lockdowns and the mass mandates did anything to change the rate of COVID infection or death. Like, and so I'm surprised they're even touching that because that because it would it would seem to me that they would just like not talk about it. But um I would encourage anybody who supports the lockdowns and supports mass mandates, like look at Florida, look at their numbers. And then compare it to California, and then and then look at the businesses that have gone under in California, and look at the friends you know there who have moved out of there because they can't work. And know? that's what I understand too is that these people who've had their lives ruined by this shit vote for it. Yeah. Like in New York, if you look at like some even something like Broadway, all of those Broadway people are the biggest Democrats in the world for Biden. And so you're out of work because of them. That is how mm. deeply programmed people are. I mean, even I'm sorry, in, but like objectively, you know, I really truly always try to see both sides of something, but objectively, I truly do not see one reason to vote for Biden over Trump. Oh. Tweets, it, it's crazy. And now, and now, I mean, this election was just such a testament to ignorance and hatred and propaganda. And now we're all paying the price for it. Um, we have a lot of people in the chat. Also, hi, Curious. Yeah. I love uh, So that's Jason. I just learned recently, I'm pronouncing it wrong. His name is Christ. <laughs> anyway, he really? just said, yeah, I'm it's curious. good. It's good mixing it up with you again on Twitter. You too. I'm so glad. I'm so, yeah. I'm glad to be, well, I don't know if I'm glad to be back, but I'm glad to see my friends on there. Like you. Um, I Dance for Pennies is here. Uh, Taxterra, Lady Delia, Daniel Keene. Hello, hello. Uh, okay, so I've kind of gone through, I had a list of things I wanted to ask you about. Um, the Gina Carano one was, we hadn't really talked about that, so I was I trying her. to get your opinion on it. But um, is there anything- I love her, right? Is there anything you would like to touch on that we haven't talked about? My God, so much shit has happened. What, <laughs> what have we not talked about? <laughs> Y'all tell us what have we not covered? <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. It was so nice. It was so refreshing to see someone not apologize and stand up to this shit. I love her. Liz Smith says, "Mike Harlow, you know we love Hi. you." Oh, I love you, Liz. She's amazing. I can't um, wait to. I can't wait till I move and have like a better kitchen to use the slicer you sent. She sent me. People sent me cooking stuff. It's wonderful. I love you guys. So if this is too personal, you don't have to answer it, but are you moving out of, yeah, because are you, <laughs> you're no longer moving out of New York? 
Uh, I want to know. So I'm, so my apartment is like falling apart, but I just need to get out of here. But um, so yeah, I'm, it's complicated. I don't know. I, I really do want to leave New York, but I'm from here. I've never really long-term lived anywhere else that I don't know. It just feels too hard or confusing to do it immediately. Plus it's complicated. Like my dad had a heart attack. My mom has had help. So I need to move them with me. And so I don't know, but I think sort of, and also I think sort of the places that I would be considering are Texas and Florida, but I, Texas, I've, I've, I was in Dallas for like two days and that's it. I've never seen around Texas, Florida. I've been to Florida, but I've only been to places that I wouldn't necessarily want to live. I haven't really seen around like more city kind of places. So I don't know. I feel like something like that kind of needs time and planning. So I think what my plan is, is to rent an apartment, get a year lease and spend the next year planning a move out of New York. Uh, as you know, you are hereby invited to come <laughs> check out Texas, a part of Texas. It's not Dallas. And uh, we're going to be having the unsafe space retreat in June. Um, or I'm coming, right? And yes, my wedding. <laughs> You're doing so, at the same time, right? Um, they might be close together. Yeah. I'm kind of just being, I don't have a lot of stress about the wedding. I mean, maybe I should. People are like, you got engaged since I've been on here. <laughs> like, I like, can't wait to meet him. I've never met him. I know. People are asking right. me like, what are my wedding colors? I'm like, I don't, Come wedding on. colors. Do I need wedding colors? Uh, I don't have any wedding colors. I will say you, uh, hats are strongly encouraged. And master optional. <laughs> anyway. See, my wedding masks would be banned. <laughs> like, don't come, don't bring your communist shit here. Yeah, I'm. I'm still I can't wait. Though, I'm so happy choose. for you. He seems amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to meet. Him. You should bring him to Myth Informed. Actually, yeah, we were thinking about it. I'm excited to see. You. I'm so excited oh. for Myth Informed. So let's plug that before we go. Uh, for anybody who's in. And I know Dom, who watches this, is out there, so he might be Dom, there. Dom, hey! Um, you and I, we you are going to be people. speaking at the Myth Informed Better Discourse Conference, which is coming up on April 24th? Yes, it's my birthday. It's my birthday weekend. Woohoo! And if people mm -hmm. want to get tickets, they can go to Myth In uh Let's see. It's Myth Informed. I think it's betterdiscourseevent.com. Okay, hold on. Let me check. Or you can go to mythinform.org and that'll take you there at the top. So uh, yeah. Mikey's going to be speaking. Uh, who else? Melissa Chen, Jack Posovic. Uh, a lot of the same people that Elijah. were last year. Yeah. And then uh, I'll be moderating. Sean, actual justice warrior. Actual justice warrior, Sean Fitzgerald. I, I really like him. And uh, just, yeah, a lot of interesting people and people on the left too. What, what I like though. about... Mm -hmm. Oh, no, sorry. No, sorry. I was just saying, what I like about what they do is they really make an effort to bring in people with opposing views and they bring in people even who believe in, you know, tenets of social justice ideology and who are willing to talk, which is a special kind of social yeah. justice warrior. And I appreciate that. Oh, like Jangles, like the guy just. I love Jangles. Yes. He's very sincere we in what he believes. Literally nothing. I know. <laughs> I love him. We don't agree on a lot, but we agree. Here's what's here's what I like about him. He's like some of my friends who are still in social justice. When you break it all down to the bare minimum, I know that we agree that racism is wrong and sexism is wrong and um, homophobia is wrong. We, it's just we have different methods, and I think his method is 
bad and makes those things worse. <laughs> I think his ideology makes those things worse. But I know but that he's, he's very sincere in his beliefs. So and um, he's not trying to like shut anyone down or censor anyone. You right. Know? Right. He doesn't see other people as like inferior. You know, that's my issue with a lot of people in the left is that they, no matter what, will just see you as like an inferior human being. And he doesn't, and he's willing to talk, and I I love that. So anyway, if you guys, I just start studying though, because that bitch is smart. So I'm on a panel with him. When you're on a stage with him, there is no room for error. So I have a whole binder that I need to get my facts straight. He prepares (laughs) binders full of women. Binders full of women. He prepares. Um, I love all our people there. You know what's funny though? They always stick me on the panels that I'm like the most unqualified for. Like last time they had me on the COVID panel, this time I'm on the Green New Deal panel. But I, but I kind of like that because it's sort of like I just like I did this last time and I will this time acknowledge right off the bat. I'm like the average person who doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. So let's figure it out together. And, <laughs> and nobody can give voice to the other people who and then don't know you have you have a reason to research these topics, which is, yeah. I always need, sometimes I need reasons, like for economics, I need a reason. Um, Chicken Sith, thank you, Chicken Sith, says, Carrie, book recommendation, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness by Frank Peretti, religious fiction about spiritual warfare. Thank you very much. Um, I will make a note of those. I know that name, Frank Peretti, I think, uh, but I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, okay, I'm going to let you go. Mikey, it has been so fun. Don't let out me with you. go. <laughs> Never let go, Jack. <laughs> I missed you so much. It's so good to see you. It's good to see you. We too. need to do this more. Yeah. I just defend my title as the most frequent guest. So I'm yes. coming for number nine. And Carter, I'm very upset with you. You're going to get a spanking. I'm very mad that you did not come to see me. Next time you're coming. Yeah. I think you did one with just Carter also, didn't you? I did. So it's like I get the two yeah. of you. Separately, yeah. yeah good. So next time you both. <laughs> so is he oh, coming to Myth- you, Carter? You better come to Myth Informed. Uh, I don't know, but I think he should come. So we'll figure he, that out. He's coming. He's coming. He's done. So tell we people- had the best time at uh, the last one. We had a pool party. We're having a we need to have a pool party this time. We did. We actually <laughs> part of the balance we were talking about is. I think people need to make room for just frivolity and joy and. Intermittent frivolity. Yeah, which is kind of a a joke now on the show is intermittent frivolity. So we had the intermittent frivolity. And um, I I just I think like stuff like that is so important because otherwise you get you get just mired down where you feel like you're working on um, or focusing on anyway. Let's say focusing on focusing on whatever is important to you to the exclusion of creating and creating just fun and creating like that's one of the best ways I think people can push back is just to have fun because this ideology is it's it eats joy (laughs) it doesn't want you to have room for fun it doesn't want you to tend to your garden it doesn't want you to enjoy anything yeah so uh yeah if he comes we'll definitely have for volley okay tell people where they can find you You guys, please find me on stuff because I'm like getting banned from shit. I'm shadow banned. So please help a brother out. So um, my YouTube channel is just my name. Uh, There's basically nothing on there for months. I am relaunching my channel next week. It's supposed to be last week. It's going to be next week. I promise. And then I'm going to try to get to like putting stuff out weekly. So I think, you know, I think 
I've really struggled with since the election, like how to move forward and what approach take, because I don't know about you, but for me, things just feel so serious and dark and depressing that it's like, I, I, it's a struggle to even read the news and to even stay informed. So I've sort of struggled about how, how the hell do I move forward with that? So I think my approach going forward is going to be trying to find a way to make these dark, serious, depressing things fun because it feels like this used to be fun years ago when it was just like political correctness we were fighting against. And now that's sort of certainly taken a shift. So yeah, I'm going to try, I'm going to be putting out videos and just trying to make these horrible, miserable, serious things fun and also doing intermittent frivolity. I'm going to sort of try to alternate between that. Like I'm going to do a video with my mom reacting to like weird ass kids shows from the eighties and nineties. So <laughs> stupid shit like that. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, my YouTube channel, subscribe to it. I will have stuff next week. I'm on Twitter again at not my Carlo. I'm on Twitter, sleepy Harlow. I'll be Instagram. back on Facebook in 30 days. <laughs> Instagram is sleepy Harlow. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for joining us, Mike. Oh, I thank love you guys you. for tuning in. And I hope you have a We got to do this again night. soon. Too we long. will. We will. Take care, guys. And Beverly. Love you. Beverly, hit the credits. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. I hate having to cancel people, but it is necessary to safeguard your freedom. You know the old saying, judge not, lest ye judge differently than the mob. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Do not fear. You may keep your constitution. All I require is control over your dictionary. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.